Hey listeners, it's time for a quick World Dairy Expo update because we are only seven weeks away from the 55th event. This year we are hosting Expo with a new event schedule, Sunday, October 2 through Friday, October 7. Be sure to visit worlddairyexpo.com or download our mobile event app in the App Store or Google Play to see the details of that new schedule and start planning your time in Madison. Also, while you're visiting the website, you can purchase your tickets before you arrive at Expo this year. Think of Expo's digital tickets like an airline ticket. You can print it off at home, email it to yourself, share it with friends, or simply save it to your phone. No matter how you choose to use it, it's going to save you some time at those gates when you get here and just get you into the action a little bit faster. And speaking of action, here's this week's episode. From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back, listeners to The Dairy Show. I am your host, Katie Schmidt, and I am excited we have another one of our Recognition Award winners joining us this week on the show. And it is none other than our industry person of the year, Shelly Meyer. So welcome to the podcast, Shelly. Well, thank you very much for having me. Now, I have to say, I'm really excited about talking with you because you do such incredible things in Wisconsin, as well as across this country and probably around the world, too, uh, with your work at Professional Dairy Producers of Wisconsin. There's so much to talk about there, but let's take a step back. Let's start with your background in agriculture. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today and where it is you are today. How I got to where I am today. That is an interesting question because I've just been very fortunate. I grew up on a a dairy farm in a very beautiful part of Wisconsin, southwestern Wisconsin near Muscaday. All I know is dairy. um, And all I ever really wanted to do was be a dairy farmer. I love being outside. Um, I was very fortunate that I grew up in a family where everybody was involved with the cows and the dairy. I literally cannot remember a moment of my life where I was not just 100% involved in the barn and out with the cows. In fact, um, growing up as a little girl, my first memory start of my, my mom and my dad, my mom was always in the barn working with my dad. And when I was little and couldn't be a, a probably um, too little to be around the really big cows. They would throw me in the calf pen at the end of the barn and give me a curry comb and then later a little rope halter. And my job was to try to catch the calves and tie them up. And it was, you know, my dad and mom said that was a very important job because animals that were halter broken would always be easier to, well, they told me easier to show, but easier to handle. And, and so I was very, 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 very fortunate that I guess God planted me immediately where um, I would ultimately grow and end up. And um, I was probably kind of some of that rare stock. You know, some people say if they grew up on a farm, they want to be farthest from it. And my worry as I was going through high school um, was one, that I was really odd, that I would never find people that love the same kinds of things that I did. And um, I was very fortunate there one year at the state fair, um, showing cattle with my friends from all the way across the state. I um, literally by um, a cough of a cow, I ran into what um, became my 
best friend and ultimately my husband. And we share a dream and we shared that dream all the way through. And we've been fortunate enough to realize that dream and that we always, always have wanted to farm. So when people say, you know, how did you get to where you are? By the grace of God and by the good fortunes and the support of, um, you know, my mom and dad, they supported me in kind of a unique way. And that is they really, really, really challenged us. They taught us to work hard. Some people thought it was maybe sometimes too hard, but I, I think that they taught us perseverance. And um, I'm also very grateful to Ike's mom and dad, especially his father, who loved his son so, so much. And um, the two of them had a unique relationship. And Ike was called to come home and farm with his dad. And then later on, um, we bought the farm. So it, it allowed us to not just dream, it allowed us to realize our dreams. And everything else from that built off of that, that dream and that good fortune and of working with my best friend. My job was to work off the farm so that we could one day farm. And I had the opportunity of working with really good companies, um, good people within those companies. And then I fell in love through PDPW. I found my people and my people are people that love the dairy cow, the dairy community, and what we do in the dairy industry, and that is we provide food. And so I've just been lucky. It was like it was just a thread of path that was meant to be, and, and I was blessed. So this dream that you share with your husband, what does that look like today? Um, we farm in an area where, so I grew up in southwestern Wisconsin, and we farm in southeastern Wisconsin. The dream looks very different than than what I used to think that it would look like when I was a little girl. And that is we live in an area um, where there's more houses than there are cows. And since we've been married, this is the 34th year of me being here on the farm and us being married. And I've watched the farmland around here very quickly after we got married, go from open fields where you saw farm to farm to farm and uh, yard light to yard light, just like I grew up to subdivisions around my subdivision, traffic, traffic, traffic. So it's very urbanized. So the dream is different, but now in the last, I'd say 15, 16, maybe 20 years, I've learned to embrace that because I feel that we were put here, or I was put here for a reason. And, and that is we can help connect people that aren't as blessed as us, that want to be connected with the wonders of where their food comes from, we're here for a reason, and it's been very easy because the population is right around us, and we talk dairy, so we can be translators for the dairy industry, and that's we as a family. It's fun to not only do we dairy farm, but um, we're licensed and we sell beef direct, and we went from raising breeding age bulls and sorting through our best genetics and providing them and selling them to now we raise all of our bull calves up and we provide that and sell that per pound, per pound of hamburger or per steak to the community around us. And with every person who walks up to us at farmer's market or walks into our little farmstead store, um, we have an opportunity to make that connection for the whole sector. And that tied together not only where I grew up and where what's happened around our farm, but it tied together our gifts, our skills, so that we could offer value to the dairy industry. And ultimately, for me, it helped me find 
my reason for why I was planted here. Because for a long time, I didn't feel like I really belonged um, in such an urban, urban area. At the same time, many of my industry colleagues, their farms were growing in a different way. Our farm doesn't have an opportunity if we were going to continue to live here. So we made a choice that we were in an area where this wasn't going to be appropriate for a 500 cow dairy. And so to be sustainable, we had to grow our business up. And so it looks different. That dream looks different than what I imagined it 40 years ago. And it's not that it's, it's wrong. It is blossomed. And just like, you know, when you see a bud on a flower, sometimes it'll, it'll look red, but the flower opens up and it's yellow and it's beautiful. And I think that's where I have grown here. I love what we're doing. I'm very, 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 very proud of my husband and what he's done for his family and for his home farm and for the five generations that were on the farm before him or four generations that were on the farm before him, what he has um, sacrificed in himself and how hard he worked to be here. And um, so the dream, I think the thing that is most important now is for us to look back and not that we did this alone, um, but we did it in our own way. And for all dairy farmers, I, I don't care if they have 10,000 cows, 100,000 cows, or 100 cows. I think ones that are truly dairy farmers share that same seed inside them, that same dream that we had, and that is independence, love for the dairy cow, respect for the dairy cow, and a desire to produce something that's really good for the people around them. So our dream is different, but it's been fun and it's been a challenge all in one. I think a lot of small farms are are in or have been in the spot where you were, where it was either you need to do something, whether it's up or out. How did you decide what the right up step was? So obviously you went into the retail beef or direct consumer beef. How did you know it wasn't bottling milk, making ice cream, doing cheese, any of the other diversification plans that we see? Why, why was it a direct meat option? Well, the, the first thing is I think that challenge and need drive creativity. And we needed to do something. So we were just looking at what could we do with the resources that we had. And sometimes things just, again, they come together. A business doesn't just become successful. It takes a lot of intention. And in our case, I think sometimes just stubbornness and perseverance. We were milking, I should say, Ike milked cows for uh, three times a day for 25 years really without any outside off the family, uh, you know, beyond the family help. And of that, about 12 of those years, I milked every night with him. One of my motivations was, um, and in addition to working off the farm, is for our farm, our capital assets, to produce enough um, revenue that we could have more time together. Um, when you're milking three times a day, and so the beef shifting from, you know, the industry had changed and people weren't looking for one breeding age bull here or there. You either had to, you sold either three at a time to a larger, like a heifer farm or a, a truckload, but we weren't selling 30 breeding age bulls a year. 
And when I started looking at the margin of that and we no longer had the buildings for them. So we had to rent a space. It just, we weren't, we were just moving money from one side to the next. We weren't making any money. So then the question was, what were, what are bull calves worth? It's, we raise calves here really well. Um, healthy calves. We enjoy that. We love raising animals, growing animals. So that seemed pretty natural. And um, one thing led to another. And then we had a friend that had a very successful beef business selling direct at the farmer's market in uh, Madison. And he lived in southwestern Wisconsin. I asked him kind of for some recipe and he was just really willing to share everything. And some of it was, a lot of it was the numbers. And when we started crunching numbers, um, it worked. We went from, at one time Dwight was milking on the test sheet, I think he had almost a hundred cows. And so our heifer population was huge. We had a lot of heifers and we decided that we were gonna downsize because our barn only holds 60 cows. We were gonna downsize to the amount of cows that could fit in the barn so it wasn't switching, especially with 3X milking. But we had this huge heifer population behind that. And so we had some steers coming, but once our business started and we started selling at a couple farmer's market, all of a sudden we couldn't keep up. We didn't have enough steers. And I remember going to Dwight and saying, you know, show me which heifer out there is worth X. And I did the paper where I did the, showed him on paper what those heifers would be worth if he would sort through them. And quite honestly, some of the beef that hit the freezer were heifers that after a first service or second service, depending on how much we could make. And I started to say to him, you know, show me which heifer out there genetically you could sell today. For $5,000. And, you know, I would put a number out there. And he went from, are you crazy? These beautiful heifers, this good genetics to, okay, when do you need another one? And how fast can we get one in? And that, it, it, cha it changed us, but it was really driven by what did our farm need? And it's all about how bad do you want something? How bad do you want a dream? The other thing that happened during that time, after his aunt passed away, um, we have always farmed that land, the second farm where it'd be his grandmother's homestead. And there was a beautiful barn on there that was valued at $600 and falling down. And another crazy idea that we had is um, to restore the buildings at that second farm um, because they're beautiful. They were built in 1853. And again, being crazy about our heritage, Dwight being a fifth generation on this land, our kids, no, he's the sixth generation on this land. Our kids are the seventh and that would make our grandkids the eighth. So that at that second farm, that's called Folk Song Farm. That's what Aunt Marge called the farm. That barn is, we restored it by working. We had uh, Amish professional crafters that came in and they restored the barn. It took about three and a half, almost four years to clean it out and restore it. We hold events there and that's where we're able to tether together everything, the telling the story. We hold farm to table dinners there during the summertime. We host um, people have their weddings, celebrations at the farm. We're holding an event or events every single weekend from the middle of May through the end of October. Okay, so let's talk about your industry job um, because it's pretty cool too. 
we've got listeners from all over the world who listen to this podcast. So Shelly, I'm going to have you start by just explaining what Professional Dairy Producers is for listeners. Professional Dairy Producers is Dairy's professional development organization. So I work for fellow dairy farmers, the best people on this planet. It's a nine-member board of directors that's elected by fellow dairy farmers. They're all fully engaged, hands-on, running their own dairy farms and dairy businesses. And it started in 1992 in Wisconsin as a Wisconsin organization. It quickly, by the end of the 90s, grew into a national organization. And we have had students come from many, many parts of the world, from England and Canada and Mexico and multiple countries around the world. In fact, we do kind of an exchange with a European group where um, we go to their Congress and they send members here to our conference. Uh, but our the purpose of it is what I so much believe in and I just love. And that is it's about helping people realize their dreams and people, our people, people that want to dairy and they want to be successful in their craft and they continually are looking for ways to be better at producing food and helping their families be sustainable and successful. And nobody cares what color cow they have, how many cows they have, what title or position they have on that farm, how they realize their dreams. What calls us together as people is that they're in pursuit of continual improvement. And that is the, the uh, Kool-Aid that I was introduced to as a young dairy farmer trying to figure out in 1992 how we were going to be, at that time, just employees on, on Dwight's family farm, how we were going to figure out how to help the family move forward and for us to pursue our dreams was I got introduced to PDPW, then it was a state organization. And I went to the first meeting and the coolest thing about it, in addition to, is you're learning. You're learning about business, everything from financial literacy and business management to HR, to environmental practices, to animal care, the latest science from people from all over the world. The coolest thing was the people that were sitting next to you had this can-do. They were raising their hand and saying, whatever it takes, I am going to be successful and I'm going to pursue a way to continually be better at what I do so that I, because I want to dairy. And that's what PDPW is. So in short, we provide information, education, and communications that help fellow dairy farmers be successful. The mission is to share ideas, resources, solutions, and experiences that help dairy farmers succeed. And the vision is to lead the success of the dairy sector through education. And the belief is from the very beginning that our dairy communities, wherever they are, the success of the whole community rests on the shoulders of those farm families being successful and profitable, realizing their dreams, passing the farm on to the next generation, helping people grow and continually to improve um, themselves through information and education. It's a, a simple, simple mission. Um, the irony of it 
It's all led by fellow dairy farmers. These guys volunteer to be leaders and it's a leadership board. They're looking, those nine producers that are that I work for are so cool that they are looking out into the future. They're looking at our dairy sector. They're walking away from their own businesses. And when they come in, they check their their own wants and needs at the door. And they're saying, okay, we want to help our people. We want to help our dairy community be better. What are the needs? And they, they're sitting there and as leaders, they're looking out and trying to figure out how they can de-bottleneck, debug a problem, help the industry be more successful or be proactive. So that's what PDPW is in a nutshell. It's education. And behind it is, I truly believe to my core, some of the most forward thinking, passionate leaders from the dairy communities looking out and trying to figure out what they could do for their people to help the industry be better in the future. Yeah, we actually talked to John Rudinger uh, on a past episode of the podcast, and he talked about his time on the PDPW board and about how impactful that was for his farm and for him personally and in his leadership growth. So I, I guess I'm wondering, as the executive director of this organization, Shelly, how do you empower these nine board members, these industry leaders to use their time on that board to grow and develop? Or what does your role look like in their development? It's very difficult to explain. There is a culture that's very different from anywhere else that I've ever been with PDPW. And it is very empowering, challenging, and caring. And behind the scenes and strategically, when a board member comes in new onto the board, for one, this board has, serves very short terms. They can only serve two, three-year terms, so ultimately six years. And it goes extremely fast. And when they come in, they're, they're prepared to learn and lead. That's why they, they've accepted a nomination to the board. What they don't know is how... It's like being like that, that saying that iron sharpens iron. I would describe what happens within professional development within the PDPW board as more being like a rock tumbler. And it turns and turns and turns and they're doing their work. But as they're doing their work, um, they're polishing one another. And there's always the chemistry that's very much driven by the six people that are on that board. And there's always a new person coming in and a couple going off and a couple new ones coming in. And it, it's self-driving. For myself, I had always been in jobs before where I enjoyed and I worked with some really, really good people. Um, but with PDPW, it was so challenging. And every day is different in our dairy community and what you're working on. But when Working with a PDPW board is my favorite part because it's so challenging. When you have an opportunity to be around people that are so much smarter than you, so bright, their minds are moving so fast, and they're so focused on making a difference, it's not same thing, different day. It is trying to run fast enough to keep up with them. And I loved, I, I fed on that challenge, knowing that I was never, ever going to keep up with them because they were so bright. So all, it was, it's just like kind of trying to feed that top cow in your 
farm or that top group in your farm, you're chal- you're trying to challenge feed them and you just keep pushing up the information and a lot of information, a lot of ideas, and they're creating ideas and they're sorting through what's good and what's not. And that's what I liked about it. Basically, I just try to not to uh, get too far behind and try to keep up. That's why I'm always working. At the same time, we're very intentional with our culture that our job is to grow their leadership capacity um, because what we're doing by having term limits on the board, we're growing leaders that will continue to grow their entire lifetime. So when they're off that board, there is a check out. Like, what are you going to do with what you learned? The dairy community has invested in you while you were working for them has invested in you to grow and expects the next big step. Are you going to go back to your community and serve? Is it your your church, your school board, um, local elected officials? Are you going to get into later on? Are you going to serve be a, um, in public service? Are you going to focus on your business and you're bringing in the next generations? Are, are you on the creamery board? How are you going to continue to grow? and give back. That is, we talk about that all the time. If we just focus on ourselves, there won't be a next generation. That's the philosophy that PDPW was built on. It is about growing yourself so you can give more. And uh, John Rudinger is a phenomenal example of that. John was on the board, always gave 150% in the boardroom great thoughts, didn't always talk the most, but when he speaks, he speaks so deliberately and so so well thought. Never served as president, the ultimate servant leader. He didn't have to be with a title at all, but the, everybody on that board always respected him. And when he left our board, he went off to serve a national, international board as president and really has shaped the AI industry. And he is amongst so many, I can over and over throughout our our industry name, every single one of them that I've had an opportunity to work for has went on and and just continue to give and do great things. Again, I have been so lucky when I think about the people that I've had an opportunity to work for. Not only are they our people, but they're the best, the best of the best. Other thing like that, that I feel very, very fortunate when I first moved in to the side of the state, I was really lost. New name, just got married, new community, crazy community with four lane highways and traffic zooming. And I felt like I was, I landed on another planet. Now I know how it happened. Ike's Aunt Marge talked to uh, the county 4-H coordinator and said, hey, Shelly grew up in, Shelly Meyer, my niece, grew up in 4-H and believes in 4-H, but now she's in this new community. And and so she said, we need someone to be a dairy leader. And I'm look, looking around, I'm like, where are the dairy kids? And I had come from this county where there was like 60 kids in dairy or more. I mean, at that time, it, there was, every kid was a farm kid. And I'm looking around and I'm like, half these farms around here, these kids are not into cows are into tractors or they're most of them aren't even on active farms anymore and she said well we need a leader we have a a small group and i'm thinking okay well where's the dairy bowl team where's the judging team where's this and they all kind of looked at me what's dairy bowl what's 
judging. Why do we need, we have, we hire a judge for the county fair. I got that. I actually got that comment. But again, I was planted in such a great place because the talent right around me, that next generation. And so I met fellow people from the county. The first kids actually came, were either directly from farms or they were first generation away from farms. I recruited for a Dairy Bowl team and I had to explain what Dairy Bowl was. And I had these kids sitting across from me and now those same kids are doing massively great things in their own farms or out in industry like Laura Krause Herschlup. <laughs> Our new GM, yes. You know, I knew Laura when she didn't have her front teeth. I watched her grow up from the time that she was seven years old all the way up and again was so fortunate to um, just be planted in a place that had so much wonder. I just had to I just had to um, open my eyes and discover it. And so the 4-H program helped me um, take root here by learning how to serve. And I remember talking to Dave Dixon, my 4-H coach, and saying, oh, my Lanta, I'm not only teaching the kids the parts of the cow, there's no way these kids are ever, we're ever gonna want win a judging contest. I'm teaching their parents the scorecard and the parts. You know, most of our dairy project was recruited from the subdivisions and from the towns and schools. At one point at State Fair, I only had two kids other than my own that were from farms. All the rest of them were kids that grew up in town that had taken the calf project. And it's just different dynamics. And Dr. Dave Dixon said to me, he goes, anybody can identify once talent has grown and has been developed, but only a few will be patient enough to help people find their own talent, realize it and develop it. And I think about that, that I had the opportunity because Dave Dixon was talking to me probably about the gift that he had given me. And he had saw me when I was 14 years old at a dairy judging contest, my first year giving reasons. And I, I was farthest thing from ever thinking I would go on to school or that there was any possibilities for me. And he didn't know how, <clears throat> I don't think he knew how old I was because he came up and asked me what I was gonna do after school. And I think I was maybe a freshman in high school. And I'm thinking probably bail hay and uh, break calves to lead. I think it was at that time that he actually asked me if I ever thought about school in Madison at college. And I said, I doubt if I'll be going to college. We don't, you know, anything like that. And later on, the story be, I probably wouldn't have made it through college if it wasn't for him. I walked into the office once I was down at Madison, no less than four or five times in a puddle of tears announcing that I was quitting school. He would listen to me and and let me blubber on. And then he'd say, oh, that would be really stupid. You're not going to do that. That's just ridiculous. And uh, basically get over yourself and, you know, pull up your boots and uh, let's figure out how we're going to get past this. I think that I've had the opportunity many, many times to sit um, and help a family at, locally here, um, a kid that's trying to realize their future, put on their shoes, 
and walk through the really tough stuff. There's been families that have had losses and tragedies. There's been families that have had barn fires and lost their 4-H calves. But it's all because, again, I was planted in a place and those kids, I didn't help them. They helped me realize that this was my home and that this is where all along I was supposed to be. And I think that was probably what helped me in my career. It certainly helped me with my family. Then the Slinger schools started to feel like they were my schools. The church, it wasn't just Dwight's church, the church that he loved and he grew up in. It's my church. It's our family's place. This farm isn't, I used to say I'm going home and he would get so mad at me. He's like, this is your home. And I was talking about going to see my dad. And now it's like, I'm going to Richland Center. And I didn't notice the difference uh, how I was saying it. He did. And he's like, finally, this is your home. And I think it was all because a lot of it was because of those kids that I was working with. They helped me find purpose here beyond my own family. Michelle, you work with a lot of young people throughout your career. What are skills that you notice in these young people or that you help them develop that lead them to be successful? Well, you cannot lead someone to be successful and someone can't help someone be successful. You can enable people and um, encourage. What I am drawn to is curiosity, people that are curious. Um, I'm also drawn to in young people, what I look for is that desire to learn, not always the desire to win. Winning is competitiveness. Learning is the desire to compete with yourself and challenge yourself. And the other thing that I think is most important in all kids of all ages from one to 101 is still ambition, can do whatever it takes, the, the work to get it done. And that's what I'm looking for in young people. Everybody, um, God doesn't make mistakes. Everybody is born and is smart and is gifted somehow. That's how we come. That's the package that we come in. Some of those gifts and talents are more apparent than others, but every single human being that it comes onto this earth comes with a package of gifts, really special, unique talents. And I love, love helping people to find, if they haven't discovered it, how to unwrap that gift and just unfold it and start to really realize their potential. And I think that, again, goes back to Dr. Dave saying, it's there. Very few can really identify that. And I, I try to do that. It's kind of my way of giving back and giving thanks to my first judging coach was Arlen McKittrick. Arlen saw my desire to learn. And so when I meet young people, they're in college or if they're in middle school or if they're clover buds, if they're curious and they have a desire to learn, that's, I think, the magnet that draws me in. And it's like, oh, because when you have an opportunity to help someone learn, you learn and you grow. And uh, I'm not the best if you just want to win. Uh, this is a world where to win means 
someone else is really losing. I don't believe in giving out green ribbons. I like good competition. But when people are driven just to win at all cost, especially in the dairy industry, then, you know, I, I guess I just don't have that desire to do whatever it takes. I hope that the kids that I worked with, when they won, we all celebrated. Um, I wanted the whole club to celebrate and to champion and to work together. And I wanted to create winners out of kids that were second, third, fourth, and fifth. But I always hoped the kids in Washington County would be the first ones to shake hands with the kids that, you know, probably absolutely stomped them in Dairy Bowl. But it takes a real winner to stand up and congratulate somebody else when they've just gotten beaten. Or um, one thing you can control when you're showing cattle, it's not necessarily that you had every year you're going to have the biggest and the best heifer, but how you go out there and you present that animal to the best of her ability is what you can control. And that was what I always, um, not all of us come from the easiest backgrounds but all of us have the talent within. So I was looking for those kids that wanted, you know, had the potential, they all had the potential, but had the desire and were willing to work for something. So what advice would you share with young people who want to be in the dairy industry? Multiple times, and this happens with all of us, be open to the possibilities. Be very, very, very selective to what you take in for information, for feedback. And the biggest thing is nobody knows what you're capable of other than you. And don't listen to the self-doubt and the self-talk. I mean, if you really want something bad enough, the question really is, how bad do you want it? How much are you willing to work for it? And that would be my advice is, don't let someone else define you. That's your job. Don't let, you know, you can only, someone can only define you if you allow it. And look for people that are positive about others, not necessarily positive about themselves always, but positive and they are willing to, uh, you know, that they're going to help you, sincerely help you. Um, the other thing is only place that success occurs before work is in the dictionary. That goes back to how bad do you want it? True sustainable success, I believe, comes from still hard work. People say, oh, you don't have to work hard. You can work smarter. Um, I think you have to work harder to be smarter. And then you have to work harder. And you have to work harder. And you have to work harder. At least that's been my experience. Now, maybe there's, I'm sure there's a thousand different ways um, to do things. But that's my advice is focus on what you want. Don't let someone else define you. That's going to come with some sacrifice and a lot of hard work. And you, God, planted something very, very, very special inside of each of us. And it's there. It's just you're going to spend your lifetime discovering it and unwrapping it. And that's what we're supposed to do, I believe. Well, you've knocked that question out of the park. So I'm going to ask you one more uh, visionary question. With all of the involvement that you have in the dairy industry and in developing these dairy professionals and working with people, 
What does the future of the industry look like from your point of view? Our dairy community and our dairy industry is going to continue to change. It has since the very first time when you think about the dairy community forming in any area, like here in Wisconsin, we talk about how at the before 1900, people really only sold their cream and, you know, the buttermilk. And so that's why they had the cream separators on all the farms. And then the dairy industry started to change once we figured out how to make cheese and how how that took off. But that those changes, that was 120 years ago. And it's changed and evolved. I think in the last five years, the dairy sector, dairy community has changed as much as probably I saw it in the 30 years prior to that. And I think that change is going to be our biggest constant. I mean, that's, that's it's going to evolve. What will not change is it is still going to take people as much as we add technology and we get better and honed in on our sciences. And I hope our scientists continue to move because I think there's still so much untapped potential and there always will be that it's discovered through good science and will it will automate a lot of things, but we'll never be able in true dairy, true dairy, be able to take the cow out of it and the people out of it. And then the other element that's the why of everything is this the dairy industry, the dairy community will always be about producing the very, 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 very best, most complete nutrition and other useful products that sustain the human being. And that, like W.D. Horde said 100 plus years ago, I believe that in the future forever, the dairy cow is going to be the foster mother of the human race. And when we keep that in mind, and that's our end goal around the world, they want our proteins. They want that regenerative agriculture that the cow is the ultimate example of. Um, So I think the future is there's so many places in the world where they haven't had the opportunities that we have here in the U.S., they're just discovering the benefits for their children having the nutrition that we've grown up for multiple generations of. Their soils have not had the benefits of having that good organic product that the cow returns for her own sustainability. The meat, the hide, the fertilizer, the enzymes, all the pharmaceuticals that the cow provides for us. So the future is absolutely without end uh, the possibilities. And again, all things are created for a reason. And that cow and this human are tethered together into the future. As long as we, as long as we remember to respect all of that, it is the answer for, I believe, so many of today's challenges and tomorrow's challenges will come from bold new discoveries that revolve around the dairy cow. This has been great. So, so great, Shelly. And I have to say thank you. And again, congratulations for receiving this award. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you continue to accomplish in the industry while you still, you know, work in this career and move the industry forward with the help of all these incredible leaders. 
So thank you again. And I look forward to seeing you hopefully this summer, but for sure at World Dairy Expo this fall. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you.